Let me introduce myself. I'm Steve Pearson. Maybe you don't remember who I am. It's so good to be back. I've missed you guys. You guys are family. And you're not just any family. You're like the best. Everyone say the best. You're the best family ever. And uh, uh, I'm getting over this knee surgery. And so I'm just very, very grateful. Walking is a good thing. Did you know that? I like it. I got used to it. So, and I want to say you're here today. I believe God's got something special for you because he just loves you so much and cares about you and dreams about you and has great hopes for you. And I pray all of us, including me, will catch some of God's heart today. Well, Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is true and your word is for us today. So change us and open us today for all you've got in Jesus name. Everyone said amen. Okay. Open your Bibles. Everybody got a Bible? Hold your Bible up. Let's see it. Excellent. Uh, Acts chapter 19 and the topic is, have you received? And would you turn to your neighbor and just ask them, have you, have you received? At Church of the Savior, we always want to honor God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We want to give uh, the Godhead three-in-one honor. And so this passage today, I think, will be a huge blessing. We're going to walk through this. I pray you'll go, oh, I didn't know how that worked. And uh, that's cool. So let's read Acts chapter 19, and it happened, everyone say it happened. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. Where did he go to? There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, okay, that's puzzling. Well, into what, what were you baptized then? And they said, well, we were baptized in John's baptism. And Paul said, John, that's John the Baptist, baptized with the, he baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is who? Jesus. So on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there was about how many of them? Twelve of them. Okay, follow with me if you want to take notes today. I believe it a blessing. This was Paul's second visit to Ephesus. Picture the New York City of its day. It is a prominent, prominent place. So you see Antioch, where people were first called Christians. And then he's going through what is today uh, Turkey. It was called Asia Minor. And he's he's planting churches and preaching the gospel. And he goes all the way over to the coast, Ephesus. I've been to Turkey three or four times, and I kept thinking I would get down to Ephesus. I wanted to walk those streets, and then I never got to. 
the ancient city of Troy, if you remember Helen of Troy and the Trojan Wars, is just north of that on the coast. I want, wanted to see that too. <clears throat> now, in chapter 19, there's a pivot in church history. What do you mean a pivot? Well, the gospel started there in Jerusalem, <clears throat> Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. It scattered all throughout that part of uh, the Middle East. And then it started going up the coast. <clears throat> it went into what is today Turkey. And that became the center of Christianity for three to 400 years. <clears throat> it wasn't Israel. It was this place called Asia Minor. Now, sadly, because of persecution, because the church didn't do what the church was supposed to do, Christianity all but died out. I, I haven't checked the figures in a while, but there's only like 5,000 Christians there. And the prime minister wants a complete Islamic state, and he's made it very difficult on Christians and people that love Jesus and live there. <clears throat> That's about what it looked like. Isn't that impressive? So it's an important political, military, educational, commercial center. Look at that harbor. <clears throat> now, Paul's first visit was very brief. He just passed through. I don't know if it was a week, two weeks, something like that, but it was a very short time. And this passage we just read is around 52 A.D. So it's about 20 years after the death of Christ and after Pentecost. Look at that broad street. So this time, Paul stayed in Ephesus to plant a church, and he was there over two years. And it really worked. We have the book of Ephesians to prove it really worked. Now, the picture up there is kind of what John the Apostle looked like when he wrote the book of Revelations and first and second, third John. Uh, he was an older man, but he had been in Asia Minor for a long time. And being the youngest of the 12, as Jesus was dying on the cross, you may remember Jesus turned to him and said, son, this is your mother. Talking about Mary, his mother. And he turned to Mary and looked and said, mother, this is now your son. And church tradition says that John took Mary in and cared for her the rest of her life. And there in Ephesus, I've seen pictures of it. There's a place, a grave that Muslims and Christians venerate as Mary's grave. And there's also a place where John probably died. And so it's a pretty, pretty special place. Now, Paul found some things he wasn't expecting. He found some disciples. Everyone say disciples. <clears throat> a disciple is a learner, a student. Someone that takes things very seriously. Do I have any disciples in here? Hold your hand up. I'm a disciple. Okay. <clears throat> and so he started 
uh, talking to them. He was pretty excited about this. And, uh, but something seemed odd. And the more he listened to them, the more he asked questions, he went, these people don't really understand the whole counsel of Jesus. He says something is missing. So he started probing. Your little pastor embarrasses his wife all the time because I ask so many questions. Man, do I ask questions. I just like asking questions. Have I ever asked you a question? Probably. <clears throat> and so Paul's the same way. And so he, he, he goes right to the point to see how much they understand. And here's a question. We just read it. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's the question. And he's waiting to see what they say. Now, 20 years after Pentecost, the early church appreciated the role of the Holy Spirit far more than the American church does today. It's very sad. They will talk about the Father. They will talk about the Son. They will not talk about the Holy Spirit because, quote, that is controversial. I had a close pastor friend of mine that ministered for 50 years. One day he told me we were just having lunch. I didn't bring it up. He brought it up. He said, in 50 years, I never preached one sermon on the Holy Spirit. And I think he said that not out of, he's not bragging. He just was kind of going, I'm kind of ashamed that I didn't do that. So here's their reply. No, we have not. And not only have we not received the Holy Spirit, we not even heard. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Is this a force? Is this smoke? Well, is this uh, is this an inanimate object? What, what what is the Holy Spirit? By the way, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a it, not smoke, not not some force from Star Wars or something. So he understands these people only got part of the story; they only got a little bit of the story. <clears throat> and he goes, "I got to help them." Now, our enemy, did you know you have an enemy? The devil himself, not only does he hate you and he hates Jesus, he wants to keep all of us ignorant of the truth of the gospel. I'm a perfect example. I grew up in a a loving church, small church, about 140 people. Never heard a message on the Holy Spirit, didn't hear one on prayer, Didn't hear one on the authority of the Bible. Didn't hear one on salvation. Didn't hear one on missions. And my family went to church because good people go to church and bad people don't. And we were completely ignorant of the scriptures. Completely. And that's the way the devil wants it. No knowledge or actually very little knowledge of the scriptures and don't have a clue about what God's plan is for the earth. <clears throat> now at this church, your little friend Steve-O pushes our folk in a loving way. Is it loving? Loving way. <clears throat> I want you to read the Bible. 
Just, I want you to read the Bible. If you don't ever learn to read the Bible for yourself, you're going to be forced to lean on somebody else to tell you what's true. And you're in a dangerous position. I think every Christian should read through the Bible every year for themselves. I do it every year. Because if you don't, you will always be in the dark. You won't figure stuff out. So I'm telling you, read your Bible. Because you and I, I know I am no match for spiritual darkness in the flesh. So I need to be in the scriptures every single day. Now here's what what the prophet Hosea said. God told him to say this. My people, say it with me. My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. If you've seen our country in a moral freefall, it started and boy is it accelerating. We have no idea, we don't have revival, what the nation's going to be like for your children and grandchildren. And so the book of James says your Bible and my Bible is like a what? Mirror. That a a smart man goes to the mirror every day and he looks and he needs to shave or he's got a cut on his face or his face is dirty. And he looks and he takes action by what he sees in the mirror. But the foolish person, the foolish woman, the foolish man will look at that mirror and walk away. And forget what he saw. Now this book is your mirror. It will help you make adjustments. It will help you change. It will help you see things that you need to see. So Paul asked these men, okay, well help me out. What were you baptized in? Because I'm I'm not tracking with you. You said you're baptized, but you don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, which tells me you probably don't know anything about Jesus either. And their reply was, we were baptized into John's, everyone say John's, John's baptism. That's John the Baptist. This is like Almost 1,800, 2,000 miles away. John the Baptist was never up here in Turkey. And it might have been this guy that we were introduced to in verse 1, this guy, Paulus. And we hear in Acts, Paulus was doing ministry, and yet he didn't understand really what he was teaching. He was off on a lot of stuff. So apparently, they heard about John's ministry. They said yes. They were baptized. And John's baptism was for one thing, and we just read it. What was it for? Repentance of sins. And so John the Baptist's whole ministry, I don't know how long it was, three years, ten years, twelve years, or something like that, his ministry was preparing the chosen people, not Gentiles, the chosen people to be ready for the Messiah. And they had to have repentant hearts so they would miss him. Now, most of the Jews miss it, but did John the Baptist do a good job? Yes or no? How do we know he did a good job? We're in the room today. So enough of them understood and prepared to meet the Messiah Jesus. <clears throat> so these 12 men in Ephesus, they were, I think, bona fide God seekers. And there's a lot of God seekers all around us. They just don't know the questions. They don't have anybody to talk to. 
they can't start a safe conversation, well, you should be the person that helps them figure stuff out. All they need to do was repent. That's all they knew. Could you imagine if we were at Church of the Savior in the same boat? All we knew was to do was to say, I'm sorry. Well, this morning, the outline is, uh, it is, I'm sorry, oh God, please forgive me. And that was uh, sermon number 75. And the sermon next week will be, I'm even more sorry than I was last week. And the women's quartet that will be singing a special this morning. And their topic is, we're the sorriest bunch ever. And our husbands are sorry and our preachers sorry. We're just sorry. <clears throat> you can imagine how old that would be. Thank you, thank you. Is it flavored? I'm, I'm sorry. I should repent of that. <clears throat> I should repent of that. I'm sorry. Sorry. Wow, that's cold too. Thank you. It makes sense. So they could only go so far because nobody else told them what to do. <clears throat> now let me track, help you track how this process works. When a person receives Jesus as their Savior and Lord, have you received Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Hold your little hand up. Okay. I was 18. So when you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes into your spirit. What do you mean, spirit? All of us in this room are made up of three parts. We are a spirit, which is eternal. We have a soul, which is eternal. And we have a body that needs knee surgery. And we'll get a new body sooner or later. So when you get born again, the Holy Spirit doesn't come into your mind. He doesn't come into your emotions. He comes to the deepest, most wonderful part of you, your spirit that's made in God's image. And then he starts working and he starts speaking to you and you'll never be the same. I love to watch new Christians and the light bulb comes on. And they have brand new life. It is like watching a caterpillar turn into a beautiful butterfly. And Paul described this and said, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Those old things have passed away, new things had come. I did not want to drink and party and corrals and do all that stuff anymore. I had tried to stop swearing because I knew it was wrong, but I turned around two months later and my potty mouth had disappeared. I could not believe it. And the things you used to enjoy that were dark, you can't enjoy them anymore because the Holy One lives on the inside of you. Now let's talk about when a person receives the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit It's another thing for the Holy Spirit to have you. Does that make sense? That's a big difference. Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I'm available. Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. 
It is one thing to have the Holy Spirit. It is another thing to be full of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? People that could have been really full of the Holy Spirit last year have followed their flesh and said no to the Spirit and they are Christians, but they are empty. And they may look and act like pagans because they're no longer full of the Holy Spirit. Now this verse right here, Ephesians 5, 18 says this, don't be drunk with wine. Say it with me, please. Don't be drunk with wine, for that's dissipation. That's waste. Instead, be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And the language there is not a one-time thing. It's get filled and get refilled and keep getting full and stay full. Why? Because we leak. We leak. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, have you leaked? Not me, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry again. Sounds bad, doesn't it? But you can be full of bitterness. You can be full of angryness. You can. You know any angry people? You can be full of lust. You can be full of fear. I don't want to be. I have been full of this stuff. I don't want to be full of this stuff anymore. You can be full of greed. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be full of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Now. So, we want as much of the Holy Spirit as we can possibly get. And I, want, I wonder, well, Lord, how does this work? Do we get more of him? Or does he get more of us? And the answer is what? Yes and yes. And we want the Holy Spirit to have as much of us as we can possibly give him. Start off Monday morning, Lord, I'm yours. I'm available. Help me to love you. Help me to represent you well. Help me to be kind today. Use me, Lord, to further your kingdom today in Jesus' name. Now, as a follower of Jesus, made in the image of God, the designer had a design for you. And the design is he wants you to be full of the Spirit. Not operating on 10%, not operating on 15%, not full of yourself, but full of him. It's like that farm tractor, beautiful, John Deere, expensive, $100,000 tractor, no diesel, no go. Let me keep giving you pictures of the New Testament about the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. Because John was baptizing probably hundreds and thousands of people in the Jordan. And different people would come to him and say, Man, we see God all over you. Are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? And John would say, oh, no, 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 no. I am just a forerunner. I am not worthy to even unbuckle his sandal. Let me tell you what I do. I baptize with water. But the one that's coming, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So I want to have as much 
of him as I possibly can. Let's keep going. Don't daydream. Pay attention. After Jesus died on the cross, after Jesus was in the grave for three days, the next 40 days he appeared to over 500 people to prove the resurrection was true. And then from a hillside in Israel, in Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, he ascended to heaven. And where did he go? Was it Mississippi? Where did he go? Remember, the answer is always on the screen. Third grade level. Where did he go? Hello. He's at the right hand of the Father. The, The place of power. The place of favor. And I wrote five verses for you. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and and in heaven and on earth. And I actually was just curious because I had not thought about this a lot. How many times did the New Testament say Jesus was at the right hand of the Father? Write, Write it in the margin, 16. Now, if the scripture tells me once, that's enough. If the scripture tells me that 16 times, I should go, oh, important. <clears throat> so Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and I'm glad he's at the right hand of the Father. He's got everything in his hand. He knows what's going to happen in the Ukraine. He knows what's going to happen in Hawaii. He knows what's going to happen in Chicago and Miami. He knows what's going to happen in your life, and he wants to help you. He is at the Father's right hand. So when Jesus left, Jesus said, the Father has the most wonderful gift coming. Does anybody like gifts? Hold your hand up. Gifts. Love gifts. Here's my posture for receiving a gift. No matter what it is. This is the Father's gift. The person of the Holy Spirit. Wait in Jerusalem. Until the Father sends the promise to you. So, once you've been born again, Jesus is in heaven. I don't understand how all this works, but he's in heaven, essentially. The Holy Spirit is now your greatest asset. Jesus said there in the upper room, Because the disciples were said, hey, listen, knock off all this stuff about leaving us. We can't take that. We want you here. And Jesus said, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go, I as a human can only be one place at one time. If I go, the Father will send the helper. And he can be with you and inside of you, every one of you. It's to your advantage. And the devil doesn't want you to know this. Because you could lose everything. I don't want to speak that over you. You could lose your family. You could lose your job. You could end up in Siberia. You could end up in prison for 30 years on something you didn't do. But this verse tells me you're still good. Because you have the Holy One on the inside of you and he's going to take care of you 
and he's going to provide for you and he's going to help you. And I love these three words, write them in your margin, that Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. He is the helper. Everyone say helper. I love to have help. Don't you like to have help? And he is the comforter. Have you ever been brokenhearted? Have you ever been so stunned that you've been in shock? Who are you going to turn to? The Holy Spirit is your comforter. And then I love this. He's the advocate. It's like having your own defense team. He's got you. You're good. He's going to show you what to do. So I want to give a I want to just quickly run through some things so you understand more of what the Holy Spirit as your advantage will do for you. A, he's your teacher. Everyone say teacher. And he not only is your teacher, he's your teacher in all things. You mean just Bible study? He's my teacher? Yes. You're flunking out of chemistry. He can, he understands chemistry. You want to build a house and you can't figure out if a hammer is left-handed or right-handed? Do you know the Holy Spirit understands everything about architecture? He understands everything about business. He understands everything about medicine. Do you know the Holy Spirit can teach you how to play the guitar? He te- if you know how to do something well today... It's because he gave you that gift and he's helped you learn it. And you want to tap into that, not negate it. B, he has promised to lead you every single day. As many who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. C, He is committed to molding you and I into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. These two verses in Galatians, the fruit of the, I'm sorry, the fruit of the, if you're more loving this year than you were five years ago, he taught you. If you're more patient, you don't give God a deadline to fix stuff. He did it. If you have more joy, he's the one that did it. He wants you to have the character of the Lord Jesus. D, the Holy Spirit brings holiness because he is holy into a Christian's life. He brings conviction. Say the word sanctification, please. Yeah. Christians don't even know what that means. Preachers don't even know what that means. It's in the scripture. Do you know what it means? It means he cleans you up a little bit every day, every month, every year. It means he makes you more solid. It means he sets you apart for service because he loves you. Sanctification. And he's the one that produces power. You cannot live for Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. Living in the flesh will not bring him glory. Living by the power of the Holy Spirit. I prayed for two years for the Lord to make me a soul winner, and he did. 
By the way, we start Soul Winter training called Evangelism Explosion in about three weeks. I suggest you learn to lead people to Christ. I asked the Lord to make me a prayer warrior, and he did. I asked the Lord to give me grace to teach his scriptures because nobody around me could, and everybody was starving, and he did. I've asked the Lord to give me grace to love my wife the way she deserves. He's the one that does all of that. Now, here's the verse you may have never seen before, Luke 4. How did Jesus do the miracles he did? Was it because he was God in the flesh? And I would say, no, no, no. He, he left his Godhead qualities and character in heaven. He operated as a man under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Look at this verse. Read it with me, please. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. F, he releases supernatural gifts to his kids. And it's not just these nine, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, it's a lot more gifts. And G, the Holy Spirit speaks to you every day. I ask people a lot, just kind of messing with them a little bit. I like to mess with people. And I usually say, well, you know what? What is God saying to you? And they look like I just grew a third eye. God speaking to me? I said, yeah, God's speaking to you. Is God speaking to me? I said, well, are you alive? Have you given your heart to Jesus? And I go, what good father would live in a house with a daughter and not speak? My sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. You can't follow God if you don't hear his voice. And that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Most of us are too busy. Most of us have too much noise. And we've not learned to hear his voice. Now here's a, a wonderful verse I ignored, didn't even understand. It says, read it with me, please. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, three men are looking for you. What vision? He's in Joppa. He's been praying and not eating on the, he's got a friend's house. And this vision comes three times. This big sheet comes down. All these weird animals come. The voice says, Peter, get up and kill and eat. And Peter says, Hey, I'm a good Jew. Good Jews don't eat this stuff. No pepperoni. No shrimp. <clears throat> No bacon, bacon, bacon. <laughs> but it wasn't about food. It was about people that the Jews thought were unclean. And he, after the vision left, the whisper was, there's three guys that's going to knock downstairs in five minutes. I sent them. Don't be afraid. Go. And because of that, we Gentiles get to go to heaven. Woohoo! Somebody said. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit wants a close relationship with you. 
Last night, I went to sleep quoting this verse. If you don't have a verse for the year, this pictures all the three parts of the Trinity. May In Paul's writing, he's closing out a letter. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is something he gives you that you could never have on your own. And the love of God. And then the, say it with me, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So here's what Paul did to help these people. He clearly explained who Jesus was. Is that the most important thing, yes or no? We ought to be good at doing that. I want to explain who Jesus is. They didn't know, and they deserve to know who Jesus is. So he did that. B, they were baptized in Jesus' name, which meant they understood, and they agreed, and they said yes. Baptism does not save you. Can I say that clearly? The water does not save you. It is you and I committing our lives to Jesus that saves us. The water and the ceremony is the most glorious picture that the old Steve wants to die to myself and live for Jesus. And I'm going to do that all my life. So Paul laid his hands on them. This is something called impartation. Say impartation. As a Methodist, I never heard about that. Impartation means people of faith can pray for you. They don't have to lay their hands on you. But if they do, faith in them can become part of your faith. Healing can be transferred. Darkness can be pushed away. Revelation can be granted because somebody of faith prays for you and there's a transfer. So Paul went around and prayed for each one of these 12 and the Holy Spirit came upon them and showed up. And they were given two gifts. And please, a lot of us were raised in different denominations. Baptist, Catholic, Assembly of God, Jehovah's Witnesses, all kind of stuff. We got all kind of background. Let's not get spooky on this. This is for today. Just look at what the scripture says and go, okay, I get it. That makes sense. I want to make it simple. What are the two gifts? The two blessings. One, all 12 began to speak in tongues. And it is a wonderful addition to your prayer life. I was saved at 18. I was prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit at 20. I didn't think anything happened, but something did happen. The Holy Spirit started flooding me on the inside. When I was about 26, I started using this prayer language, and it's been a blessing to me. I pray 15, 20, 30 minutes a day in it because it edifies me. It's nothing you have to be afraid of. It's a blessing. 
<clears throat> then they began to prophesy. Let's make this really, really simple. Again, what do you mean prophesy? Well, it's when Father, the Father shows his heart for you. And it's wonderful because he cares. Now, trick question. Are you ready? Trick question. Trick question. How many people does it take for God to impact a mega city like Nicholasville? How many? What do you guess? How many? Okay. Whoa. Okay. Uh, I'll start with 12 because that's how many they had, 12. And you could count the little halos, the little 12 guys in the icon there. <clears throat> 12 is a good start, right? 12 is a good start. We got more than 12. 12 is a good start. But guess what? Three will do. Even one will do. You ever heard of D.L. Moody? Anybody? Hold your hand up. Hold, heard of D.L. Moody? Let me tell you a quick thing about him. He was the Billy Graham before there was a Billy Graham. He grew up very poor. He was one of nine children in Massachusetts. His family didn't have enough to eat. He was raised in poverty. As a young man, he went to the big town of Boston to try to work so he wouldn't starve and help his family. He got a job in a shoe store. One day, the Holy Spirit spoke to a, a Baptist Sunday school teacher. I want you to go in that shoe store, and there's a big old fella back there that can hardly even grow whiskers, and I want you to go love on that guy. So he went in there, and D.L. Moody, and the first time he saw him in the shoe store, he said, Boy, there's not much chance of God doing anything with this guy. He is too rough and coarse. But he kept going back and kept going back. I don't know how many shoes he bought. <clears throat> but one day, in between aisles 10 and size 11, D.L. Moody got down on his knees and gave his heart to Jesus. And it was American history change at the moment. Look at this. This is a picture of his Sunday school ministry on the streets of Chicago. He was a house of fire. He had 1,000 poor children and teenagers in his Sunday morning Sunday school class. 1,000. He became a chaplain in the Union Army during the Civil War. He started his own church that is today called the Moody Church. But one day, two older women came up to him and said, he was a pastor of this little fledgling church and said, Pastor Moody, I want to tell you something. We're very concerned about you. We've been praying every day for you and you're going to burn yourself out because you're a house of fire and we see how that's going. You're always dragging and worn out and there's not enough money and we're just concerned. So we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for God's power to fall on you from on high. And that insulted him. He said, what do you mean? I got all the power I need. And they said, obviously you do not. Because the power you need comes from the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray every day until you get it. And that messed him up. He didn't have any theology for it. But as he walked back to his little apartment every day, he started thinking about that. And he started thirsting. Well, Lord, could you give me more? Lord, could I be more full? And after several months, can I read what came out of his diary? <clears throat> A hunger and thirst for spiritual power started growing in me. He said, I began to cry like never before. I felt like I could not go on. 
unless I had the power of God for the service of God. He said, one day, one evening, I was walking home on Wall Street in New York City. In the midst of all the people on the sidewalk in the streets, he said, the prayer of those two women that prayed for me was answered. He said, the Holy Spirit fell on me on the sidewalk. And I had to run to my friend's house where I was staying. And I crashed through the door and I said, please give me a room where I can be alone with God. He is working on me. He is filling me and I don't know what to do. So he went in that room and he stayed for hours. And he said the Holy Ghost filled him with such joy. He finally held his hand up and said, God, please stop. You're going to kill me. You're going to make me bust. And he said, that was the moment in time I was filled with the Holy Spirit and my ministry changed and millions of people came to Christ because of that day. Worship team, would you guys come on out? This part of this service, I want to do something that I may help you, I hope. It's just a simple prayer fulfilling. How many how many want more of God? Hold your hand up. Well, I wrote out a prayer. And I pray a lot of these same sentences almost every day. As I came over here, I prayed this prayer. If you want more of God, I want you to just open your heart. And as I pray this prayer, I would love to invite you to pray with me. Because it's, it's about the heart. It's not about the words. Because I'm going to guess you need more of God like I need him. Without his power, we're going to be no good. So if you feel like praying this prayer as I pray it, you join me. Dear Heavenly Father, you are my God. And I confess that Jesus is my Savior and Lord. Please forgive me. And cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Fill me to overflowing. Make me more and more like Jesus. Give me a heart to walk in holiness, Lord. And convict me when I get off course quickly. Give me a new grace, a new power to pray, Lord, and to know your will. Teach me your ways, O Lord, because I want more of you. 
and less of me. Release more of your giftings into my life, Lord, so I can be more useful to you. And let me know what you're calling me to do. Because today, because today, because today, I surrender. I surrender to do your will, dear Lord. So use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. As the worship team leads us in worship, this altar is open. You're welcome to come and get on your face before the Lord. There's people here that will anoint you with oil and pray for you. But God's got a big plan for you. Let's continue to worship. you this morning, you are just wanting more of the Holy Spirit. I think that could be all of us. Just stretch your arms to the heavens. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Pour out your love into our hearts. Fill us afresh. We love you, Lord. is open, feel free to come kneel, or you can receive prayer as you need it. Drench my soul, drench my soul, there's mercy and grace. 
Spirit. 
congregation, Lord, I can speak on our behalf that we want more of your presence, not just here in our corporate settings, Lord, but in our daily lives. Jesus, thank you for paying the highest price, Lord, so that your church could be filled with your glory. Help us carry it well. We surrender all to you. And we make room for you in our hearts so that we can be bearers of your light. Fill us afresh. May we be more aware of you. That is our prayer. May we be more aware of you with each day that goes by. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time for us to go home. You may pick up your kids. If you still are wanting prayer, please come up. We would love to pray with you. And we're just going to continue to kind of press in and worship right now. And you can feel free to leave or you can stay. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. 
Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.